podcast one production. Hey, I'm sports journalist Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Game. I started following Carson Pickett after a photo went viral of her bumping arms with a two-year-old boy across the boundary at a National Women's Soccer League game in the US. His name is Joseph Tidd, and like Carson, he was born without a left hand and forearm. It's this powerful image that just warmed my heart. It's the way Joseph looks at Carson, it's Carson's face seeing him, and it's just this beautiful moment captured between them. Carson has never let anyone's perception of what she could do limit what she's capable of, and that's given her a platform to inspire others. Carson plays in the elite women's football league both in the United States for the Orlando Pride and in Australia for the Brisbane Roar. After three seasons in the W League, Carson's basically an adopted Aussie at this point, but she actually grew up in the United States. So I was born in South Carolina and I moved when I was two to Jacksonville, Florida, and I've spent the rest of my life there so far. So it pretty much say I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> so um, what was it like then growing up in Florida? Um, hot, but um, <laughs> very, very similar to um, Australia, actually. So I say that I pretty much live in summer all year round. You were born without a left forearm and a hand. Oh, tell me what was life growing up with one arm back then? Yeah. Um, so I went to a really small private school growing up from kindergarten to 12th grade. And, you know, at the time it was nice to have a small family that, you know, you knew everyone, um, all the kids, even in other grades, you knew exactly who they were. And so I felt like it was um, sort of a security blanket um, as far as school goes. And I was really appreciative of that just because, you know, I never really got bullied or made fun of just because everyone knew everyone. And we were all friends for the most for the most part. But um, mm. I think obviously playing sports was something that helped me in the long run. Um, obviously, it's so hard. I think now when I think about it, it would have been so hard for people to always be staring at me and and I would think it'd be really hard for my parents just mm. because they'd always see people staring or talking about my arm. And for me, when I was younger, obviously as kids, you don't, you don't know that. You don't realize mm. that. So I think that it was easier probably for me growing up than my parents. Um, mm. But now that I'm getting older, it's definitely, there's challenges to it. Again, now that I'm old enough to see people staring at me, I used to get so angry about it. Mm. But now I just realized that like a lot of people haven't seen someone with an arm like mine and it's okay for them to be curious. So, you know, when I was growing up, it was mm. it was decently easy. I didn't get bullied or anything. But, you know, when I went to college, it was definitely a little bit harder just because I didn't have that security blanket. Your parents, did they, did that happen and they shielded you from that a little bit? Um, I just think they would always reinforce that I was just like everyone else. And even though I did look different, all that sort of mattered was, was my heart and just to be a good person. So I think that I was really lucky to have the parents that I have because they didn't shield it from happening because they knew that I wouldn't grow as a person like that. But mm. they definitely um, showed me and reinforced that I was just like everyone else and I can do everything that everyone else does. So they didn't have any restrictions on you back then? Were you... 
No, no, not at all. If anything, I got pushed more, especially in sports. Um, I remember going out for tennis the first time and I was young, and but my friend wanted to do it. And I was like, oh gosh, like, can I do this? I don't know. And my parents pushed me. They're like, of course you can do it. So I think if anything, they probably um, pushed me into those situations that I had to grow. I heard as well that they still pushed you on the monkey bars and things like that, (laughs) even going like further back than when you started sport. They were, even when you're in the playground, they they pushed you pretty hard with that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. The story that I remember and I'll always remember for the rest of my life is just going to the playground and looking at the monkey bars and seeing everyone else do it. And I just would stare at them. And I'm like, could my dad just saw the fear in my eyes. But, you know, I'm, I'm a kid, so I wanted to do it. And I wanted to be like everyone else. So he's like, all right, come on. Like, I didn't even, I don't think I even asked him, like, can you help me? I think he's like, all right, you're going to get up there. I know you want to do it. And I definitely fell multiple times, but he was always there to push me. And he, he never, um, he never backed down to the challenge of, of helping me get through that. How did he do it? How did you do it back then? Yeah, so he would just sort of like hold hold my legs so I was a little bit stable, but I had to do every upper arm um, thing possible. So I just sort of like wrap my arm, my left arm around it. And actually, to be honest, now that I've gotten older, my left arm's pretty strong and I tend to yeah. do a lot more with my left arm than I do my right hand. Is that actually, right? Yeah. Like if I go to the grocery store, I'll carry bags with my arm instead of my right hand and my hand, my hand will be completely free. Someone's like, do you need help? I'm like, no, I have an extra hand. But <laughs> obviously, I don't know. I just always reach for um, my left arm. So I don't know. So I'd put my left arm around the same pole as my right and just literally hang on with my left arm and just go with my right and hope that I made it. <laughs> That's so cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Did you have any idols or did you see anyone that you looked up to who was who had one arm like you did or you know, actually, that's a really good question because back then I I actually didn't really know. I didn't even know anyone that had a similar arm to me. Um, I think that was more because my parents, again, just wanted me to think I was a normal kid. And mm. so I think that, you know, it wasn't like we reached out to people and wondered how they did things. It was sort of like just hoping to figure it out on my own. And they knew I would figure it out because I, I didn't have another option. So they, they didn't they didn't push um, trying to find different people that were in the same situation as me, which actually now I'm pretty glad about. Yeah, really? Why is that? I just think if I saw someone else do it, that I would think I would have to do it that way because that's the only way to succeed. Yeah. And if I didn't, then I had to figure it out myself and I could find my own little um, way to figure things out where, you know, it wasn't so by the books. Mm. And you're really close, aren't you? I saw your parents were over here in Australia just just recently and you went traveling around with them. You're still really close with mom and dad? Yes, I'm. they are my best friends. I, I used to, in high school, I used to, on Saturday nights, want to hang out with them more than my friends. So <laughs> <laughs> that actually says a lot, you know, yeah. as a high schooler. <laughs> and still really close today, even though you're yeah. far away from them. Yeah. Well, let's talk about football or soccer. Um mm-hmm. Uh, in America, you call it soccer as well, don't you? Yes, yeah, we do. I know it's weird coming over here because when you say football, I think of American football, but yeah. yeah. So how did you get into um, to soccer? Again, when I was younger, my parents pushed me to do a lot of different sports. My parents both played college athletics. My mom played mm-hmm. basketball. My dad played soccer. So I did play basketball. I played tennis, obviously soccer. I swam. I did mm-hmm. a lot of different sports just because, you know, when you're younger, that's just what you do. And I don't know. I, th- I just fell in love with soccer mainly because I found a lot of really good friends that mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to spend, you know, the rest, the rest of my um, childhood with. And I think the biggest part of 
it is definitely my dad. Um, I knew mm-hmm. that it was a bonding time with my dad and he could help me so much grow my game whenever I needed that. And I think that that was definitely the deciding factor. Um, it's just something I love, but definitely having him always there with me. And mm-hmm. I know I knew he was going to coach me for my whole life. He still coaches me, even though he's not my coach. I think, that, <laughs> <laughs> I think every parent suffers from that from yes. an athlete as well. But he is an actual soccer coach, isn't he? He yes. still coaches. Yeah, he does. He's a high school soccer coach and a club soccer coach. So he does a lot. So how long was your dad, was he your original coach, your first coach? Yeah, he was. He was my coach since I was five. So ah. he, he's, been, he's definitely been with me the longest. <laughs> Were you good at the other sports as well? Um, I actually was re- pretty good at tennis. That's probably the other sport I would have chosen if I didn't Ooh. choose soccer. Um, I love swimming, but I don't know. I didn't love going to the pool when it was cold out. And I don't know. I just, <laughs> it wasn't my favorite thing. I wanted to go to the pool to have fun, not to swim laps. So, Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I didn't, I didn't, I liked it, but I definitely mm. love tennis. Um, I didn't, I love basketball. That was actually really fun for me because mm-hmm. I know, I think like um, with soccer and basketball, it has a lot of similarities for defending and body shape and all that. So mm. I actually really, really did like basketball, but I don't know. Yeah. Soccer was just something that I fell in love with very early. I guess the obvious question is, because soccer, you know, you can't use your hands, um, you get penalised for that. Did that influence you going into soccer? Yeah, I mean, I think probably deep down I realised that soccer was the best sport for my um, situation. And, um, you know, because you have to throw in a ball, but each player doesn't have to. You can get someone else to throw in a ball for you. So it's not like every single player has to throw in a ball and has to be good at it. So, Mm. yeah, I think deep down... um, I definitely realized that it was it was probably the best sport for for having one arm. I don't take throw-ins and mm. I'm just something I haven't done since I was about 13 when I went to take a throw-in and the ref said that it was illegal. So, um, is that right? Yeah. And I just, I was like in so much shock and I think it embarrassed me so much because I'm like, surely first off at 13, it's not that serious. And um, yeah, I think it just sort of scarred me. Like I just did not want to Because you can't have two hands. I mean, because yeah. Because technically, like, I don't have two hands, and I guess I didn't bring it all the way over my head. But I'm like— That's crazy. I know. And it just—it actually really upset me. So I think I've sort of just been scarred from that. So I just have never done it. And Sydney Mm. LaRue, she's probably the most amazing about it. And obviously, she played for the national team and stuff. So she's awesome. But she has an amazing personality. And she came in. She's like, why don't you do throw-ins? I'm like, what? I'm like— obviously, because I don't have another hand. She goes, no. She goes, we're going to sit here after practice. And I'm not kidding, for probably two weeks, we sat there after practice and she made me do throw-in. She goes, you are going to do it one day and it's going to be the most amazing thing in the world. And just having like my teammates back, I mean, them having my backs was just like an amazing feeling. I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I can do it. And she goes, Carson, she goes, if you do this, like you're the only girl in the pro league with one arm. She goes, do you know Mm. how big of an impact you'll make? Um, on people who might not want to do things because they have um, a limb difference, you know, Mm. if they don't have a leg or don't have an arm. Like, if you do this, they'll obviously see how much confidence you have um, in yourself. And I haven't done it yet. I'm still so nervous. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I haven't done it because— 
Isn't that just like a boundary that you want to break down though? Yeah, it is. And my dad, my dad pushes it all the time. He's like, Carson, you you realize how how big of an impact this will have if you do it. And I, I feel it deep down. I know that it will have a big impact, but I'm also putting myself in a really vulnerable spot that, you know, I could get called for an illegal handball. And I think that although that would embarrass me at this point in my life, like Sydney Larue at the end of um, training one day when we were doing throw-ins. And I'm like, I'm just so nervous that they're going to tell me that it, it was illegal. She goes, mm-hmm. Carson, if they tell you that it's legal, you will have 23 girls on this roster going at them. She's like, so <laughs> it's, she's like, it's a win-win. She's and like millions around the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. E- exactly. And I think that was the coolest part. I'm like, oh my gosh. So if they call it illegal, it'll be a massive story about how they said that it, you know, wasn't yeah. illegal. It was illegal or it wasn't fair. And then it will be obviously talked about and, Mm -hmm. or if I do, if I do it and they don't call it, then, you know, I've overcome my fears and showed so much confidence in myself. So it is a win-win, but I'm just, I'm very nervous. When can we expect this to happen? Will it be in the W League or we have to wait till you go back over to the US? When's this happening? Well, I know my teammates over here are just as amazing, but I do feel really um, a lot of confidence from Sydney and a lot of my um, teammates in America. So unfortunately, I did have an excuse though. Um, she was pregnant this year, so I'm like, oh well, technically I can't do it because you you can't have my back from the stands. So when you get back on the field this year, then then I will do it. So she's like, oh my gosh, okay, whatever. So I think it will happen this year. I know it will happen this year, and just not sure when. Awesome, watch this space. Very cool. I can't wait for that. Um, I didn't realize it was. I knew you didn't take throw-ins. I just didn't realize the reason behind it. But yeah, this is cool, Carson. <laughs> another you. boundary, another something hurdle yeah. to overcome and um, another wall to knock down along your way. Because the other question I want to talk to you about is about um, perception. Because mm-hmm. it's a big thing that can ultimately shape us, perception of how people perceive what you can and you can't do. Mm-hmm. If your dad was a coach, I'm thinking it might have been different. But how did perceptions affect you as a soccer player? Um, I think, yeah, like you said, it was easy when my dad was around. But when there was, um, I had to go to something called ODP where it was like completely different coaches who've never seen me before. Mm -hmm. So I think definitely I was worried that when I went to these other coaches that they weren't going to understand my situation and Mm -hmm. they were going to just sort of write me off. Man, I think that that was definitely hard. Um for the longest time I struggled with not knowing if I was going to make teams because of my arm. Mm. And luckily, I mean, no other, no girls ever said anything to me or anything like that. So, you know, the perception from the people around me playing on the field with me was never um, much of anything, but I, I did think a lot about, um, you know, if coaches were going to think that I couldn't be a better defender than someone who had two hands. Um, it was definitely mm. hard when I was growing up. Did you ever experience that or did you ever learn of um, your people having those perceptions that you wouldn't be as good just because of what they were saying in front of them? Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. Um, I thought of it as such a bad thing. Like I said, I was so nervous that the coaches were, weren't were going to choose me because of my arm. And then I just remember one day my parents are like, you know what you do have? Because in o- this thing called ODP, there's like a million girls out there. You have numbers. So it, it's hard to get noticed. like a talent camp in America? Yeah. Like it's, a- yeah. It's like an um, ID camp. An ID identification. camp. Yep. Yeah. So, um, 
I mean, there's so many girls out there. You have to be really good to, you know, catch a coach's eye. Mm. And I thought of it as like, I was so nervous about it. And my parents one time just sat me down and they're like, you do realize you have one hand, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they were like, okay, well, then they're going to remember you. So I think (laughs) that for the longest time, it was such like, um, not a negative thing for me, but I was so nervous that I was not going to make a team because of the way um, that I looked or because coaches didn't think I was capable enough. But then, you know, having so many girls out there, you have to show something. You have to be good at something. And mm. I mean, I was good at other things, but I did have one arm. So I was always able to stand out, which obviously turned into a positive. Yeah, because you were good at what what you did. Um, you mentioned it before about being a defender and having to fend off. Does one arm change the way that you play your football? And is it... Uh, is that to your benefit? Um, you know what? Being left-footed, I actually play obviously on the left side. So actually when I'm defending, I'm usually defending towards my goal, which turns me around and I actually use my right arm a lot. Mm. So I think if I was on the right side, it would definitely be harder, but like it just somehow worked out that (laughs) obviously I'm missing my left hand and I'm left-footed and for defending, it actually worked out to be exactly what I needed it to be. And I use my right arm a lot more than my left, but I mean, it definitely is hard sometimes when um, I push someone inside, then I have to get in my, my arm into them and um, it's definitely harder, mm. but um, I remember one of my coaches actually at the Orlando Pride, they were like, you know what? They pulled me aside one day because I was working on being fit, more physical, mm-hmm. and they pulled me aside one day, and he's like, I played with this guy who had the same arm as you, and he goes, do you know how bad, because <laughs> my arms are like pointy and bony, he goes, do you know how <laughs> bad it hurts when you just, when he like would stick his arm into my ribs? I'm like, no. He's like, he's like, honestly, it hurt so so much worse than someone with like just using their um, elbows or something. He goes, it was like a spear going into my ribs. So he's like, actually, you can use it for really positive and just sort of like get your arm in there and it'll definitely make them go away from you. So I was like, oh, good. And definitely changed and my mind. you never realized that? No, I, I, I don't know why. I just, I felt like I just wanted to be like everyone else. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to use it to my advantage when it's something that I obviously could use to my advantage and definitely... Yeah push some people in the ribs. So now it's a little bit easier <laughs> and now it's in my mind. <laughs> Watch out when you're playing the Orlando Pride and the Brisbane Roar. Um, that's awesome. Well, living in the US, you mentioned about Orlando Pride and, and that is um, in the US Professional Women's League over there. But when was it that you started taking soccer seriously? Growing up, like I said, I played so many sports that it was just like another sport for me until I was able to get letters from colleges and recruiting. Mm. And um, at that point, obviously, you play high school soccer and club soccer, which is pretty much similar to here. But um, obviously, you get four years in college to play soccer and get your education. Mm. And when you turn, I want to say like 15 or when you're in ninth or 10th grade, colleges can start um, sending you letters and calling you in a roundabout way. There's a lot of rules, but this is pretty much how it works. <laughs> um, they can pretty much show interest in you. Mm. And as an athlete, when someone shows interest in you, it boosts your confidence. So yeah, so at that point, they can send letters. And when you're a junior, you can start going on college campuses and and check out the college itself, the education, the soccer program, which is pretty cool that you Mm. obviously can make a decision um, after you've completely gone and really checked it out. And if it feels like home, then that's something obviously Mm. that you can... um, you can accept and commit to. It's such an early age though, isn't it? 15, year 9, 10 to, to be yes. thinking like that. 
Uh, yes, 100%. I think that that was hard for a lot of parents because they mm-hmm. wanted to be involved because, I mean, how does a 15-year-old commit to going to a school that, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't, you're still in high school. You don't even think about college, but mm-hmm. obviously— as athletics go, it starts so early mm. that you have about two years before, I mean, 15, 16, before you have to decide where you want to go. Mm. And I mean, you still have two more years of high school before you even go to that college. So, so many things can change in two years mm. that um, obviously it's very tough and it is a hard decision. And um, luckily mine worked out for me, but a lot of girls don't, um, it doesn't work out for a lot of girls and they have to transfer and things like that. So mm. yeah, like you said, at 15, it's, it's a tough decision to realize where you want to go for the next four years of your life. Did you start getting those interests when from colleges when you were 15 as well? Yeah, so there's a certain date when you turn 15 or 16 or, again, year 9 or 10 that um, they can send you, start sending you emails. So I just remember um, waiting up that night and just hoping that emails and emails and emails came in <laughs> from different colleges, and and they did. Um, I had a lot of interest, which obviously helps as an athlete. Like I said, it boosts your confidence. So mm. um, I did get a lot of interest. And then at that point, once you see who's interested in you, then you can start, you know, putting a list um, together, pros and cons of places um, you want to go, how far away from home, do you want to stay close, do you want to go far? There's so mm. many things to it. But at that point, yeah, I definitely realized that, that this is something I wanted to do. Mm. Um, but the struggle of it was when I was in high school, we didn't have a pro league. So mm. um, it was sort of like, yes, I want to be serious about this. Yes, I want to go to college and play college soccer. But what am I going to do after? Because mm. there's nothing to look forward to because we did not have a league at all. Because the women's league over there, the professional women's league has been on and off for so many years, hasn't it? But it's been strong, like, in the last few years. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was, yeah, it was a bit touch and go in, in the beginning, but yeah. now it's definitely How long ago are we talking when this was all happening? How many years ago? Oh, man, um, I was 50, maybe, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. So yeah. it was definitely early um, in the professional leagues. Mm. So it was like, I, I do want to be serious about soccer. I do want to play in college. I want to represent a college. And um, But it's just like, what do you do now when you're done with that? Because do you have to get a real job? You know, can you take your talents mm. of soccer somewhere else? And there was just not that many options for me in high school. So mm. although I knew I wanted to do that, I just wasn't sure what I was fully looking forward to in the future besides mm. na- national team. And obviously that's still a goal of mine to be on the national team. But um, when I got to college, then the pro league started becoming very permanent. When you got to college? Yes, when I got to college. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So when I was got in college, um, I just remember the first draft class that got drafted. And I just remember seeing my teammates' faces, all the seniors' faces that got drafted. And they were just, it was just pure joy. And Mm. I knew that that is something that I wanted to pursue. Luckily for us, we can get an education while we're pursuing our dreams. Mm. So I was like, you know, this is something I want to do. I want to play in the pro leagues and I'm going to do it. So I chose a college, you know, just in case there was a pro league, I chose a college that would put me in the pros. Mm. I had, like, like I said, I had a lot what of college options. Was that? It was Florida State University. And that's, of course, close to home as well. Yes. Is that a big consideration? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, there are so many amazing colleges out there that um, I was thinking about going to. And the final, honestly, the final thing that came down to it was being close to family. Mm. Um, I wanted my grandparents and my parents to always be able to come to games and not have to catch a flight. But again, like I said, I chose it also because I knew I wanted to play in the pro league and the coach mm-hmm. of Florida State, I knew he was going to get me there. So that's actually another big reason why 
I chose Florida State. But yeah, I mean, then when the pro leagues were more permanent, I knew that that's something I wanted to do. And I wanted to be like the other girls in my class. So where did you get drafted? Uh, I got drafted to the Seattle Reign. So definitely um, very far from home, but it was a, a new adventure for me. Were you the fourth draft in that year or? Yep, exactly. I was the fourth overall um, draft pick. That's pretty in impressive, isn't it? <laughs> Out of how yeah. many girls get drafted? Actually, only 40 got drafted. So there's four rounds of 10, mm-hmm. um, which again is so small. Only think, 40, but that's like in the whole of America, <laughs> the best of the best. Yeah. I that mean, are graduating for that, for that year. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 40 is ridiculous with how such a small number compared to how many girls um, entered the draft. Mm. So I definitely was very lucky. To be honest, I didn't even think I would get drafted. I didn't go to the draft because, you know, we weren't sure if Mm. that's something that, I don't know, I just didn't think I would. And, you know, not many coaches were reaching out to me. And the night before the draft, um, Laura Harvey, my first coach in Seattle, called me and was like, I've been trying to call you for a couple of days. Is your number changed? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I was like, I could have, if it, you know, if she her calls were coming through, I could have gone to the draft and been there. But it all worked out in the end. She called me and she said, we have a lot of interest in you. And if everything works out, we're going to be drafting you. So You're I right. did. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, like complete chills down my spine. <laughs> like it was amazing. And I got that news the night before. So Wow, cool. Yeah. And then how did you get, because soon after you moved to Orlando Pride. Yes, um, after two years. I was in Seattle for two years and mm-hmm. then I um, got traded actually, which mm-hmm. in this league, it's it's definitely hard um, because, you know, you can get traded at any moment in the off season, during season. So I think mm-hmm. it's hard to, you know, fully, you can just completely up uproot your life and mm. you really have no choice. So I actually didn't know I was going to get traded. So I just got got the news one night that I was going to be in a trade um, to Orlando. And obviously I'm from Florida, so it worked out to be the best trade in the world. I love my time in Seattle, but obviously being close to home is, is something Very I cherish. Cool. Well, talking about close to home, one thing that isn't close to home is Australia and the Brisbane <laughs> Raw. So tell me, how is it then that you ended up in Brisbane playing in our W League? Yeah, so um, I had an agent when I was a rookie, and I spent my um, first off-season as a rookie just training at home. I, I didn't want to be—I was already so far away from my parents, I didn't want to go any further, and I just wanted to be at home with them and it might have my dad train me. But it did get a little bit boring having to train on your own, so— mm-hmm. I reached out to my agent and I'm like, is there any opportunity to play overseas just, you know, during this off season? And he goes, actually, yes. Brisbane Roar, um, Mel, it was my coach Mel at the time. She's reached out about needing a left back and that's what I am. So Mm. I was like, oh my gosh. He's like, do you want me to follow through? And I was like, yes, please. So she just showed interest and my agent made it happen. So ever since then, I've just, I fell in love with everything over here. I want to talk about that photo because... Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, I just, it, oh, it just brings a smile to my face, actually, and it just almost brings a tear to my eye. It makes me so emotional every time I look at that photo, and I've looked at it so much. That It's the photo of you and little Joseph Tidd locking yes. arms. Um, <laughs> can I say locking, yes. a, a stump punching, yeah. would, you, would you say? Well, yeah, my dad, my dad calls it a, like a nub, so whatever, <laughs> <Okay>. whatever works. <laughs> it doesn't offend Not me. <laughs> at all. And, and that was when you were playing um, in the US for the Orlando Pride. It, of course, went viral across the Mm -hmm. globe. Can you take me back to tell me how that photo came about? 
Yeah, so they had reached out to Orlando and my media director. and Joseph's they, parents? Yes, sorry, yeah. Joseph's parents. Mm. Um, yeah, so his parents reached out to my media director, and he— I don't know. He guess he just saw me on TV or saw a picture of me or something, and his parents are like, "We have to, we have to get them to meet each other. It, mm-hmm. it just will be the most amazing thing." And although he's so young, um, I think it was just something that his parents, you know, wanted to do for the future that he mm-hmm. could look back on, um, even if he only remembers by pictures and things like that. So yeah, they reached out and they're like, "Can we meet?" after a game and my media director obviously talked spoke to me about it and I was like yes of course absolutely because I never want to miss an opportunity to meet someone like me because Joseph of course if you haven't seen the photo he is missing his left um, forearm and, and hand as well exactly the same Yes, exactly the same, which, um, you know, obviously we don't see a lot of people like ourselves. So it is nice to um, meet people like me and even no matter the age. So it was really special to definitely um, meet someone that looked like me. But um, yeah, so they just reached out and we we met for the first time. It was amazing. I I didn't think when I first saw him, I was like, he's so young. (laughs) I just was like, I do not think he's going to even realize that we have the same arm or anything. Um, because I just didn't know him. And the first time I like just got down on my knees and I just stuck my arm out towards him, he, his eyes like lit up and he started just smiling and laughing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, I did not expect him to actually know that we had the same arm and things like that. So, Mm. um, the first time we met was definitely really special for me just because I just, it blew me away. I never expected him to know, um, that we were so similar. I would put my arm in my jacket and then pull it out. So I was playing with him a little bit and I he just thought it was like the greatest thing ever. So, you know, and obviously it's crazy that, you know, a two-year-old can bring so much joy to your life. But um, that first meeting definitely um, brought so much joy to my life and to my parents' life and to his parents because they were able to speak about different things and, um, you know, the similarities of what their children go through. Then was the photo that went viral, was that later on? that he was at a game, one of your games, and after the game he came up to you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So he he came to most of my games and um, his whole family would come and I did become super close with them, which is awesome. But yeah, that was just... Honestly, it was so real. Like, it was not set up. We weren't like, okay, get the camera out. Like, literally, his dad just put him towards me, and I just put out my arm, and he put out his arm, and it was just exactly—I mean, it it is exactly what it looks like. It was pure Mm. joy from both of us, and it was such a real emotion that I just love that it was so authentic, and it wasn't fake or set up, and Mm. we didn't know how he would react, or I didn't know how I would react just because it was a normal day after a game. It so, makes me so emotional just thinking about that photo because it was just so beautiful <laughs> and just such a great moment between both of you. Um, I mentioned it went viral. Were you, uh, were you surprised about the response or how did you react when you saw it just go nuts online? Yeah, I just, I remember waking up one day and um, his mom had sent me a picture of Reddit um, and she was like, oh my gosh, like the story is on Reddit, the picture's on Reddit. And I was like, oh, it's amazing. Um, So I, you know, I went on there and I checked it out and actually being a millennial, what I looked at the the most, (laughs) I just saw my Instagram and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so many more followers now. And I'm like, that's how I realized. Like, of course she realized through Reddit and I realized through Instagram just because that's just how it is. (laughs) (laughs) How much did I go up? Oh, my gosh. I I think I started with 
in the very beginning, I think I honestly started with maybe 12 and now I'm up to 52. Okay. So <laughs> in that moment, I just, it was just going nuts. And, and I was like, it was sort of like weird. I don't know why I'm getting so many followers. And then it obviously all came around in a circle and I'm like, oh my gosh, that picture has really gone viral and it's gone mm. to different countries and things like that. So yeah, I mean, it is special you know, the followers and stuff. Yeah, that's great. But I think the biggest part of it is just um, being so excited that it's reached so many different people in the world that have reached Mm. out to me that have the same arm as us. And I think that that was the coolest part about it. What does it tell you about the society we're now living in when a photo like that, that is so special, just receives so much love all over the world? Yeah. I mean, it's so special just because, you know, there is a lot of cruelty in the world and there's some things that obviously we don't like to see on the news. And I think just um, seeing stories like mine and even stories that have nothing to do with um, missing an arm, it's just when there's pure joy in a photo, I think a photo obviously just says a million words. You know, you don't need any words when you have a photo. And I think things like that can change the world just a little bit. You mentioned a lot about um, Joseph's parents, and I know we mm-hmm. talk about a lot about what um, you know Joseph being exposed to you can can um, can do for little Joseph. But I can't help but think what it means to his parents seeing mm. you out there on that sporting stage. Um, they're trying to show him and, and really prove to him that nothing can hold him back. And mm-hmm. having you on that platform does that. Is do you think about what that does for his parents? seeing you there? Yeah, I mean, it definitely um, runs through my mind. And I think, obviously, I can get so consumed with how Joseph feels and um, making him smile and laugh that, yeah, I mean, sometimes I do forget that it is just as special for the parents, if not more special, because they're actually realizing that there's someone out there that can do exactly um, what anyone else with two arms can do. And I think that I personally, I know that, Um, I can inspire them to a certain degree, but I think the biggest part of um, becoming friends with the family is that they get to talk to my parents about it. And I think Mm. that's what makes me feel the most happy about the situation is that they can actually have someone who has been through everything. Obviously, I'm much older Mm. to be able to tell them, you know, how how I did certain things and how I was perceived in certain situations so that they Mm. can sort of have, you know, a mindset going into situations of how how it's going to go or how it can go. And I think Mm. That that's really special for the parents. You talk about other little kids. Other little kids have reached out to you who have one arm mm. in um, through social media as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of people, just mainly, obviously through Instagram, have reached out and they'll, you know, they'll say, "I have this similar arm as you, and I'm from this country or that country." And I think that that's been the coolest part. Mm. Is um, obviously talking to people that are similar to me is great, but just hearing the different countries that um, they come from and how it's reached those countries is like the most amazing part for me. I just I'm glad that it's gotten that far. Because you took up soccer because you loved it, um, oh, yeah. because you love this sport. But did you ever have a sense of the impact that you would have on people's lives just from doing something that you love? No, I'm going to be honest. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. I did not think that I would have any certain impact besides wanting to be the left best left back in the world. <laughs> um, you know, for me, it was all soccer, soccer, soccer. And now that I'm older and having the parents that I have, um, they've taught me so much about how it's way more than the game and I'm impacting people um, off the field just as mm. much as I am on the field. So you get a sense of that now. 
Yes, I definitely fully understand that now. And I hope there's more to come just with reaching people. Tell me, when we talk about disability, is that a term that that you like? Do you like that word? I hate that word. (laughs) (laughs) I don't often say I hate things, but that is just something, I don't know, it just, it irks me Mm because I just think the word disability means like it it can hold you back. Mm. And I am different, but nothing about my arm holds me back. And so, yeah, when people say that, obviously, um, I have to realize that they don't fully understand sometimes how much Mm. it it makes me mad. But um, again, like I'm understanding to it, but it is something that if I have the choice to answer, if I like it or not, then that's Mm. something I definitely um, irks me a lot just because I just think that, again, it's something that um, holds someone back or limits them. And and I just Mm. don't feel limited at all. Do you have a preferred word or just not to use that at all? I just, I mean, to be honest, I just say unique, but <laughs> that's... That's cool. Yeah. That's I, awesome. I really like that word just because um, saying unique to me doesn't um, single anyone out because mm. everyone's different and everyone's unique in their own way. So I mm. think that it's a word that is um, really inclusive and everyone can be a part of it. <laughs> You mentioned this before as well, uh, early on in the podcast, and I wanted to pick up on it now. We had actually Paralympian Ellie Cole on this podcast not long ago. um, And after the show, we were chatting and she was telling me that she still gets people like adults coming up to her and asking her, you know, oh, what happened? What happened Mm -hmm. with your leg? You know, she only has one leg. Does that happen to you still? And how do you, does that frustrate you? Yeah, so it definitely does happen to me. Um... Not not a ton, but it definitely happens. Mm. And it's more people sort of staring at my arm and it's like they think I can't see them or something. And it just like that part of it just makes me mad. I, yeah. I actually, I've come to the point in my life where I'd almost just rather people ask me than just stare because it's if they ask me, then I can, you know, talk to them about it. And I think it'll open their um, mind to a whole new um, life and a whole new attitude or, you know, maybe it won't make them stare as much next time. So it, I mean, it used to really bother me, Mm. but I think now, um, like I said, they just, they just aren't exposed maybe to anyone in their life that has one arm. But I mean, I think it would be really cool if someone stopped me and said, oh, what happened to your arm? I'd love to hear your story. Mm. I would be so open to that and I just, I would love it because I can actually sit there and tell my story and they can just hear the different things that I've been through rather than Mm. just sort of staring at me and wondering what happened. I mean, it definitely used to irk me and upset Mm. me, but I think now it's just something I'm like used to and whatever happens, happens. And if they want to ask, they'll ask, but if not, they'll stare. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, you just got to roll with the punches. (laughs) Um, And that's what's so good about having you on such a great stage worldwide and platform is normalizing difference and normalizing uniqueness as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) um, And talking about playing on that stage, you're playing on that professional stage in both Australia and the US. Mm -hmm. Uh, 26? You're 26? Yes. Yep. 26. Only 26. (laughs) What is next for Carson Pickett? Oh, man. Um, So obviously I still have a dream to make the national team because that's Mm -hmm. just something that I wanted to um, achieve since I was young um, when I started playing soccer. So that is something that I still want to achieve. And I do want to play soccer for as as long as my body will let me and as long as I can. But, you know, going to college and getting an education and something else that I'm um, excited about is 
probably a really good thing that happened to me just because, you know, you can grow mm. up and be a soccer player and that's all you can think about, but you don't think about when you're done because you think, oh, you're going to play forever. My body's great. But I mean, even at 26, I'm like, oh my gosh, my body's not great anymore. Like <laughs> there's definitely some times I'm like, whoa, <laughs> felt like a bus hit me, but, um, uh, wait it, for the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well. yeah, exactly. So, you know, going to college and getting my education in something that excites me is, mm probably the most thrilling part of my life after soccer. But I think, um, like I said, I want to be a sports reporter. It's like my second dream. Mm, cool. And I think that that's something that um, I'm really looking forward to. And I think I'll have to go back to school for that. So I'll, I will love to go back and be <laughs> a graduate assistant at us for a soccer program and get my education that way. I think you could just go straight into commentary. Just go straight on. Oh, you'd I mean, be fine. I don't think you have to go back to me as a sports reporter can say that. But well, thank you. I think, I yeah. You should. You should just get straight into it. Um, well, yeah, I would love that. What's the 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 um the landscape for women's football? How has that changed? Because in in the US, because you have just such like a, an in, incredible incredible team over there, and I know it's changed a lot over the last, well, since you've been playing professional sport as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely changed, like I said, since I was young. I mean, we didn't even have a pro league. So I think that that's just a major step in women's soccer. And just the simple fact that our national team is so dominant, I think obviously mm. it does turn heads and it makes people want to watch soccer because they see you know, they're winning by a certain amount of goals and that's thrilling to watch. Everyone wants to see people score goals. So I think that they're definitely paving a way um, for the future, especially girls that are way younger than me that are coming up. I think that they're going to have a major platform for women's soccer um, when they get a little bit older. Um, they're going to have so many opportunities. I would love to see you wearing the blue, white and red. <laughs> um, we finish off this podcast by asking our guests what advice they would give to your 10-year-old self. What would you tell that little Carson Pickett? <laughs> um, I would tell little Carson Pickett um, to not worry about what anyone thinks, to just continue to be yourself and be true to yourself because in the end, you can be the best soccer player in the world, the best athlete in the world, but people are going to remember how you made them feel. And for me, that um, is such a big thing for me in my life right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Yes, I'm meeting so many people through soccer, but I'm meeting so many more friends through life. And so mm -hmm. I think that I would just tell myself to continue to be true to myself and don't let athletics or soccer change who you are deep down. And just like my dad says, never um, allow anyone to turn your sky into a ceiling. So that is, that's what I tell my, my little self. <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. Mr. Pickett, you're coming up. <laughs> Sounds an incredible man. And, and your mom as well, an incredible woman. You are an incredible person as well. Cousin, oh. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this chat. It's been awesome. I don't want it to end, but we have to make it end, unfortunately. But thank you so much for sharing your story with On Her Game. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute honour. On Her Game was presented by me, Sam Squires, and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Darcy Thompson. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au, download the free Podcast One Australia app or search On Her Game podcast.